every single religion you boil it down and it's love love is what's there and we've with all our, our beliefs our traumas our things that have gone on in our world and the impacts of society that have separated us from our self-love and our love of others Genius Portal Podcast. I am excited, super, super excited to be joined today by Elizabeth Mary, who I call M. And oh, to have another conversation in this space about genius, about what's on our hearts, and to see what comes up and how we serve our community in this conversation. Um, thank you so, so much for joining me all the way from New Zealand. Thank the Lord for technology. It's so beautiful to be able to connect with you. Do you want to say hi? Hi, kia ora. It's so <laughs> nice to be here with you. I'm just so excited to be on the Genius Portal. Yeah, it's exciting. It's something that we've been looking, messaging about for a while now, hey, so it's really cool to have it come to fruition and to be here and I was just sharing with Em before we pressed record that I am like peak moon time right now. I was like, oh, I'm so glad I'm here with you. It feels so soft and yeah, cavey. <laughs> Got my heat back on my lap and yeah, I'm just excited to see where we go. So I'm going to ask my standard first question. Um, what is your genius and what does genius mean to you? Hmm. Well, genius is a term that I've got the pleasure of learning from you and I connect it so deeply to my greatness and my genius is, as I'm learning more and more about, it's really about my connection to nature and my ability to bring a grounded presence to really see people for where they are, as they are and to give love. Um, I've always been told that I've got this real pureness. Um, which I never, I've never really understood when people say that to me, but I think that connects to the innocence I have, very childlike, and that's how I want to be in the world, just thrilling and dancing like a little kid. Goodness, I love it. It's such a gift to be connected with innocence in this world, and I think it's a gift that can be kind of underrated sometimes because... We live in this Western culture of must be serious, must be successful, got to go do stuff, like doing, doing, doing. And in my experience, that doing, doing, doing culture, while sometimes is incredibly powerful, also really often misses the point. And, yeah, I think it's really special when people like yourself have been able to hold on to innocence hold on to that present connection and that childlike force of nature in an environment like that mm. um it's like that one of my best friends Paige who you know well also has a really great gift for that um and it's like that I really admire I'd love to hear 
a little bit about your journey with that. Like if connecting with your innocence is something that you found has always come really naturally or is it something that over life you've kind of had to fight for or really intend to keep? What's your journey with that been? Hmm. Uh, well, immediately when we said the word innocence, I was reminded of this time. I must have been 24 years old. I was still Catholic and I had just been given, um, I was on like a Catholic retreat, which is really for Catholics. It's called Hearts of Flame and it's for like the hardcore Catholics or the ones who are looking to go into being a brother or a nun. And I remember there was like this courtyard of priests. We were all going for confession and I got my confession and I walked away and I just felt so free and light and it started to pour with rain and so right in the middle of this courtyard where like all the priests could see me I like just did this twirl like fully forgot about them being there and I just like twirled around in glee and joy and it actually one of the priests that really struck him he mentioned it when we gathered back for our church session and he he brought up that moment of how it, it really connects into innocence and I think it's always been with me it just hasn't been so encouraged like even that I I wanted to twirl for like a whole five minutes and I only did it for like 20 seconds, just like little bursts. Um, but now where I am and with the encouragement that I've learned from you of tapping into innocence, it's something that I'm cultivating more and more in my life. And it does remind me of one thing. And I think I've told this to you before. I love how you how you teach in no sense and how that connects us to love. And it always makes me think of... Um, the cherubs like Eros and Cupid how they're these little babies and they're the reason why they're little babies and the representation of love is because they hold that innocence so well and it's just so gorgeous to think of like a little baby or a toddler running across the beach like naked feeling in all the sensations of the sun and the wind and on their skin and just taking in all that pleasure so I'm trying to bring more of it into my life Yeah, that's beautiful. I get such wonderful experiences of that pure innocence from my nephew, Elijah, and who I think you've probably seen on a Zoom call before. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's just turned two in May. It's June now when we're recording this. And um, he's just, he's just such a delight. And it's so, and I mean, all kids are right, but it's just, obviously, I spend a lot of time with him. And it's so beautiful just to see, just to watch him, just to watch him walk around a room or outside and everything is so fascinating to him. And what is, what lights him up? What's curious? What's funny? The things that he laughs at. We're house-sitting, house-sitting, dog-sitting. We're babysitting a dog at the moment for like six weeks. It's like this um, beautiful dash hound. And his name's Knox. And we took him out to my brother's place to see Eli because we were like oh he'll love he loves puppies um he'll love Knox and it was so beautiful like when he saw him he just he was so excited and there was so much energy running through his body he didn't know what to do with it and he was just like flapping his arms he was like (laughs) and squeaking and then he would like come up to Knox and like rest his head on him and Knox is really great with kids. He's been around kids a lot. So he was just standing there like wagging his tail and then he would be so excited and then 
Eli would run back and flap his arms again and do a little zoomy run around in a circle and then come back and rest his head on his back and give him a little cuddle again. It was so cute. And it went for like half an hour. Like he just kept being so excited. And I was just thinking, wow, like I hope we can encourage that. And also when do we lose that? Like we would have been like that and we would have gotten that excited for that long over something as simple as seeing a dog for the first time. Uh, well, it's not the first dog he's seen, but I think it might have been the first dash hound he's seen, and it's the first dog he's ever had in his house. So that was really cute. But That's so adorable. Yeah, it's, it's a real gift. Yeah. Yeah, I've got videos of it. It's, um, it's the best. I try not to video him too much because I just want to be there with him. Um, but I was like, I am getting a video of these flappy arms. <laughs> this is the cutest. I wanted to show my brother. Oh dear. Cool. Oh, okay. I, I think really it's... love. Oh, so sorry. Mm. Oh, I think we've got a leg. No, you go. You go. Um, yeah, we do have a little I... leg, but that's okay. We're in different countries. <laughs> um, I think that's why I loved being a teacher. Um, I was able to bring mm. this play in that you know I did research in uni about play and it just stops they stop focusing on play after primary school and then there's a little bit of research around play for adults but for your whole secondary school no one really cares about play they're just focused on your achievements and your grades and I I mean I had the best subjects to teach as outdoor ed PE and health and I would just do role play games and just gamify so many things in class and I think it, like it was fun for me and I could see their entertainment as well and it made the learning so much richer and deeper because it was experiential as well and the best time the best place for learning is when you've got this equal amount of like curiosity and safety and like that playful element otherwise you don't want to learn when it's boring yeah and you don't remember it you don't, you don't remember it when it's boring. I was reflecting recently. I can't remember where I was. Maybe I was teaching a masterclass or something. And I was reflecting on this uni lecturer that I used to have. And a lot of my uni lecturers, bless them, were very dry. Like very, very dry. These are the facts that you must rote learn. I mean, I was in pre-medicine. So I was a science student. So it was like, must learn these facts. Must calculate this way. This connects to this. Memorize it. You know, that was kind of the the vibe, very much rote learning. And we had this teacher that taught us the DNA segments and he would come in and he was so excited about DNA and he would stand up on a chair to kind of show you with his body, you know, it's this big. And then he would get off the chair and then he would get students to stand up and hold hands around the room and he'd be like, that's how big this is but then times it by this much. And then he would like, he'd be doing all of these things with blocks and he was so animated by life. He was so excited about DNA. He'd be like, just imagine something stretching from here to the moon. That's what your DNA can do. And he would just, and I can remember him. I can remember his face. I can remember his physique, his outfits. Like I can remember so much of it because he was so alive. I could have listened to him all day and I watched a lot of my lectures on the recordings because so many of my lecturers were so dry and they spoke so slowly that I would watch it online on double speed 
<laughs> and then I would be like, oh, it sounds like they're talking at a normal pace. And now it's like my brain's like I'm more engaged and I, and I would get more out of it. But here's I went to them all live because wow. I wanted to be there. I wanted to make the effort to be there. I was engaged in learning from him. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Did play you powerful. become a teacher? Play is powerful. Play is powerful. This is going to be fun with this lag. We're just going to have to give each other grace. <laughs> so thank you, listeners, for also giving us grace as we maybe not so gracefully cut each other off over and over again. <laughs> Should I turn my camera off? Yeah, maybe. Maybe that'll make it clearer. We can just, yeah, we'll turn the videos off and then we'll just do audio. Let's try it. Testing. One, two, three. <laughs> Testing. One, two, three. Yeah. No lag. Is it better? Yeah, it feels it better. better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now we're really in the womb cave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Shut those blinds. Cool. Make it dark. Yeah, yeah, there will be no light here. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. I would love to go down the rabbit hole of your journey from Catholicism and wanting to be a nun and then being a teacher and then where you are now. Because I'm obviously very familiar with this version of you and your journey for the last couple of years, but... There was so much magic and so much gold in your path before we crossed paths, before we met. So mm. I'd love if you could take us on a little story time adventure. <laughs> story time with M, Sudalin, <laughs> grab a cup of tea. Yeah. Uh, I <laughs> really think about my heart on flame for God and for Jesus starting at the age of 17. I was a very nervous girl I couldn't even stand in front of people without shaking and I really at year 12 and now my second to last year I really wanted to be the special character leader um well we called it liturgy leader I was I went to a it was called an Maris college it's an all-girls school and it was about being in Mary's way I was so about Mary my um birth name was actually Mary Elizabeth I even went to St. Mary's Primary School and then I um, got an opportunity to go on a pilgrimage to go see Mary. She's been appearing for, I think it's over 35 years now in Medjugorje, which is a small town in Croatia. And I had a spiritual experience where I fainted in a chapel um, on some marble steps. Um, it's a, it's a semi-long story of kneeling for half an hour on marble and um, this visionary you knew that Mary was about to appear because the visionary would walk from the back to the front of the chapel and apparently you could see him talking like his mouth moving but you wouldn't be able to hear anything and I so wanted to see that moment but I knew okay we've just finished the rosary Mary is about to appear it's like the gates of heaven are opening so pray and so I just looked up um at Jesus on the cross because we love in Catholicism we love that somber tone 
and I was feeling so, so in pain on my knees. And I was like, oh, come on, like he did that. I can just, I can do this a little bit longer. Um, and I ended up, I mean, people around me said I didn't faint because I didn't fall forward right in front of me were these marble steps. And on the marble steps, except for right in front of me, were all these bags of like gifts that people had bought that they wanted blessed. Um, someone had said to me that my body was like it was placed gently to the side and my bat, my head touched down on a bag and my brother was actually next to me and my eyes opened and there were this deep blue, but he said no one was home. And I experienced traveling in spirit. I thought I was with Mary and I thought she was taking me somewhere. And then someone next to me was like, oh my gosh, this girl's just fainted when we're in like this holy, holy of scenes and like shook me. And it felt like this incredible earthquake for my spirit. And yeah, I just remember like coming back to my body and yeah, my brother said that they put me back on the seat, but my eyes were open, but still no one was home. But yeah, I came back and had been placed in my seat. And the next year I just had this confidence in me. I was now, I got given the liturgy leader position and I wanted to be a nun. I actually came back from that experience and I walked over to the nun's house and I went inside and said, hello, sister, I want to be a nun, take me. And for whatever reason, she said, look, we don't take people that young. Mary, go live a life, go fall in love, go experience the world. And if you still want to, then come back. And I'm so grateful. I have no idea why she said that, but it my, you know, if I was in Italy or in a European country, they might have taken me into the convent, but that changed, changed the course of my life. I went to uni and really had struggles with my faith and wanting to be on this earth and do worldly things, but I stuck true to my faith for a very long time until I went, I was a kayak guide um, in the west coast of New Zealand, tiny little place, and I used to go to church every day, but being in this isolated place, I wasn't able to access a church. Um, I think they had it once on a, the first month of a Saturday, on a Saturday. And that didn't make sense. The first Saturday of the month. And it was there that I realized, oh, I if I don't go to church, I'm not a bad person. And from there, I came back to Auckland and I went to my favorite church service, which is Easter, because... God stretched, Jesus stretched out his arms this wide to show you how much he loved you. And then he died and I just loved it. It was so somber and it was so reverent. However, at this church service, it felt so human. It felt like we were doing things religiously, but there was no purpose or meaning to it. I remember we had to do prayers of the faithful and in the Catholic mass, prayers of the faithful, a long one is like four to five prayers. And for this one, they wanted us to kneel for the prayer and and then stand to sing a song in between each prayer now after like the fifth one I could see when the old people were just like sitting down in their chairs and I'm thinking to myself Jesus is going to hear me whether I'm sitting down lying on the floor shitting on the toilet like he's going to hear my prayer why do we have to do this like so religiously and we did it 18 times like it just blew my mind um and that's kind of the start of turning away from religiousness or doing things religiously and I told my dad I was like I'm no longer Catholic and he's like oh teaches you good values oh doesn't it and it really did and I have so much like now when was that that was 
2018 um, and I went on like I'm a big OE and came back in 2019 and that was really the start of my spiritual my spiritual journey and claiming how I want to be and I came back and I got really depressed I went through like this huge existential crisis um, and I I knew I just needed to talk and be heard and be witnessed for my story but when I went to get my free therapy sessions I actually went to a therapist who was also a doctor and they just fully wanted to prescribe me onto some meds and it didn't feel right I was like I know this can support others um, but it doesn't feel like the right fit for me I just feel like I'm refinding who I am without that without the identity of like before everything I wanted to be was in God like as a nun I would have had to change I really wanted to be Sister Mary but I would have had to change my name so that people just saw me as a as a face of God Um, and like you know I thought my kindness was from God I thought my my love was from God. And so, yeah, I went on this huge journey of finding myself, finding who I am and my own identity. And so I changed my name. I flipped it around to Elizabeth Mary. And that's really nice because my mum had always said to me, I never knew whether I should call you Mary Elizabeth or Elizabeth Mary. So it feels like this real honouring of my name, but making it my own. Oh, where do I begin? This is the part where I feel very vulnerable to speak about because, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I've talked to my friends about my journey, but not to strangers. So, um, (laughs) where I... Feel free to just take a couple of breaths. Mm. It's no hurry. So when I started to, I found a therapist who was awesome and really allowed me to see some of my psyche was a bit fucked up from, from Catholicism, just a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, a lot of thinking I was a bad person. And then I wanted to start exploring the world, like what is sex and what is pleasure and how do I enjoy the body and not just trying to be in spirit all the time and I went to a Tantra 101 class and this is really where I start like start my spiritual awakening was in this 101 class there was all clothes on and there was no um, you know we learned a lot about consent but the biggest thing we learned about was awareness and I think that foundation of learning about awareness so early allowed me to yeah, I guess I feel as though I've done quite a lot of vast journeying um, in the last four years. But I also met one of my best friends in that class who, he looked like a guy who could get mushrooms. And I had heard that someone who was really depressed at uni, they locked themselves in their room for eight hours and ate some mushrooms, listened to classical music and came out the other side not depressed. And I mean, I had a good therapist, but I was still... I was so depressed. I was crying all the time. I wanted to end my life. And yeah, he invited me um, into a really sacred plant ceremony. And it timed up beautifully um, that at the end of the Tantra course, I did a 10-day Vipassana retreat 
which was the first time I really sat still with myself. So a Vipassana retreat um, is to go and not talk for 10 days and to you wake up at like 5 a.m. and there's a gong that wakes you or even it's 4 a.m. and you go meditate. You even go and eat your food without talking, without looking at anyone, just really being in your own space. And that was really hard. It was, I had really visual daydreams and what I feel like I really gained from that other than a really fantastic technique and tool was that I discovered that I really loved um, and liked. I had a big crush on my now partner who was a very close friend of mine. And then after that retreat, I got to journey with the plant medicine from the jungle. Um, Even now I'm like nervous to say that I did it. And um, yeah, but I had some ayahuasca and my whole life changed. Like I walked out and depression was healed. I was, yeah, it was such a unreal experience for me. I found my voice. Um, I, I never used to sing because I remember when I was in primary school, I had this choir teacher. Um, we were trialing out to be in choir and she was pointing over to the group being like, okay, can you sing over here? Okay, you sound good. Okay, and sing over here. Oh, yeah, and she pointed at me and she said, oh, you can go back to class now. <laughs> and so I had this belief that I couldn't sing. I even had a best friend in uni who was a singer and I tried to have her help me, like, learn how to sing and harmonize and she just gave up. <laughs> she was like, okay, yeah, you're just an awful singer. Um, but journeying with plant medicines and the healing space that that provided me to go and explore myself and explore my limitations I began to sing again and that really reawakened something inside of me and now I sing every day. I consider myself a singer, a songwriter, a musician. I play guitar um, and have made a drum for myself and yeah this is ah, (laughs) this is where um, we're getting closer to what my journey is like coming up to real time now. I'm just going to take a few breaths. Um, Let me just go back a little bit so that the timeline's clear for myself and for you. Um, So that was, where are we, like 2019, 2020. Um, Yeah, I started teaching and got really burnt out because I just cared so much for others and for people and um, it was fantastic that I went through teaching because I started to discover I really just cared I don't really want to teach content I just wanted to listen to young people and their stories and help them be well Um, so I just started to I think it was around that time Ellie that I actually it was in lockdown that I saw one of your ads for monetize your magic and it was yeah, just a I was just wondering yeah sorry you go <laughs> the lag <laughs> I was just gonna say I was just wondering where if that was just about when we when our timelines collided mm. yeah yeah that's all yeah it was um and it's man you you got genius portal has held such a strong mirror for me like 
<laughs> I was reflecting even coming to our conversation today. I come in hot, like I come in like a wrecking ball because there's, um, you know, I noticed that it's stuff from my mom and also this deep need to be seen. But I come in and I like people know and I'm trying to find my place. And I remember trying to come into the genius portal and was so angry and was so so tense um there was some full-on emails I sent you being like why aren't you replying to me (laughs) um but you were so beautiful and you held such a beautiful space for me to find what was obvious and you actually guided me into synchronize me which was so perfect um yeah and the work that I did through genius portal really allowed me to find space and time to have awareness of myself, of my patterns, of how I've been behaving and how, and also reflecting on how I want to show up. Like, what do I want to create in this world? Because I am the creator of my life and what do I want to create? Um, And through this time, I was still doing a lot of plant medicine journeys. Um, I think in three years I did probably... 40 I'll I'll under guess I think it's around 20 to 30 um, ceremonies with ayahuasca Um, and it was a lot it was (laughs) it was a I think um, after two years I hadn't really learned what integration was I just kind of kept going back for more because I had such huge healings and changes but it was in 2021 that I was learning that I needed to integrate, that I needed to slow down on doing plant ceremonies and to start to really bring to life and embody the lessons that I was learning for myself. And I got depressed again um, and realized that I didn't want to be a teacher anymore. This was at the start of 2021 and I was now a third year teacher. And I realized I wanted to start a business and that I wanted to support youth with their mental health and I came up with yeah it just it just felt really obvious to created a thing called being in your element um created a whole course and yeah I quit my job I moved to Christchurch to be with my partner because we've been doing two years of long distance and at the start of last year I started or founded state of being and I spent a whole year, I entered into the Monetize Your Magic course, which was so fantastic for me, but I was still really heady um, and trying to learn how to come into my heart. And yeah, I was was so sure of who my audience was. I was so sure of the impact that I was going to have. I even went up to um, one of the sort of big names in New Zealand um, for a program they're doing is Sir John Kerwin. And he is starting a program called Mighty. And I went to one of his talks and I went up to him (laughs) being like, I'm going to be someone and I'm going to make a difference in this industry. (laughs) I'm just so sure of myself. And then I went through a huge journey last year, um, ended up working for someone um, who is is an online business manager, which was very short hours. I think I only worked 10 hours a week, but it was really good for me because I actually got hit by a truck last October Um, luckily everyone in the car was okay I was okay car was fully ridden off um, and it wasn't at high speed we were standstill at an intersection 
the truck didn't even notice it like kept going and I jumped out of the car and ran after the truck being like you just ran over my car um and from that I got um some shock induced injury um so my lower back which then pinched on my sciatica nerve caused me a lot of pain and I couldn't really move which is for some lower back injuries really good to move your lower back but if I moved too much then my foot would be sore um so it was a lot of resting and slowing down to a whole nother level um and yeah I really went into a phoenix kind of state where this person who had hired me for I think it was total of two or three months I worked for them they could no longer afford to pay me they were going through some of their own stuff and in December just before Christmas you know I had all my summer plans lined up um, and they had to all get cancelled because I had no money I, I became flat broke jobless everything around me collapsed I had what felt like nothing um, obviously I had my family around me and I had my friends and it was a super humbling experience, but really taught me that I had no idea what slowing down was. <laughs> and it slowed me down and made me realize that I want to live with ease, joy, and lightness. I don't want to rush around, but I want to drink in and then squeeze out every moment of life. Okay, we are back from our technological interlude. Um, and I don't know what you just heard, um, but I was just saying, as I think you started to drop out, um, I was talking about how we purchased Hybration Organics, which is a cacao and mushroom, um, shop. I don't know. I don't even know the right word for it. Um, store, online store. And, um, how I love that cacao is such an opening medicine I feel like it's such a beautiful way for people to connect to themselves connect to their bodies connect to the idea of journeying with a plant medicine in a really really safe way in a way that yeah I I mean my experience of cacao it supports me being more grounded in my body but it does also support me psychically spiritually and yeah I think it's really cool that it's becoming so accessible and and of course there are um always there are examples of people who are relying on it or who are not like drinking it but not really connecting with it but it's here and and the connection does and will come and it actually kind of links me back to tobacco I know you've been connecting with and journeying with tobacco and I don't know if you know but I did a 18 month real intensive journey with tobacco and yeah, I have such a, a fond, deep relationship with the spirit of tobacco and there's different lineages uh, of tobacco and different ways that different lineages will work with tobacco. For example, some work with smoke, some create tinctures and some create the powder and, and turn it into um, like harpe. And I used it in a tincture form for 18 months every day, multiple times a day, and went on such an incredible journey with that. And tobacco, for those who aren't familiar with tobacco as a medicine, because we have it as such a, 
I guess, a twisted or corrupt concept of tobacco in our culture with cigarettes and, and yeah, I'm not even going to go there. Um, but tobacco to me is like, it's like the grandfather spirit. And it's, it's not just to me, it's known as the grandfather spirit. He's the, the king of the plant kingdom and has this energy of divine clarity and I've heard tobacco described as the grandfather to Aya's grandmother, you know, to if Aya is the grandmother, then tobacco is the grandfather. And they're such different medicines. But yeah, I have a really close connection with tobacco. And so it, it interests yeah, me. Because I, um, I think I you use it as a smoke, right? Is that right? Um, but yeah, I, I use it in hape form. Um, but currently with the data I'm on, mm. um, I smoke it from a pipe that was made from Noirao, which is the wood that I'm, or the tree that I'm working with. And this tree is like an avatar tree and it glows in the dark. I think there's only five that they know of in the world. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really honored to be using, I had such what? a holy grail moment, Monty Python, with my friend who's got two, this, he's got two pipes. One is really beautiful, that is dark wood with like snakes on it and really intricate and I was like oh I better not ask for that pipe I'll ask for the one that's not important and like the really boring looking simple one and it turns out to be this really special tree which he got given by um, one of his mentors and masters as he dieted with all the 12 master plants and yeah now I've got yeah these two beautiful master plants to work with and I, I also have heard um it called tobacco called grandfather um the story that i've heard from that is when colonization came through the jungle they wiped out all the history all the knowledge turned wachuma which is like a cactus to san pedro saint peter and the only thing that remained was tobacco because they could turn it into cigarettes and that's all the people had in the tribe this is like 400 years ago that they really started to reclaim and own like get to know their their medicines again so they would smoke tobacco to the point where it would give them visions and then it said okay now crush crush me down and like mix me with other plants and that's how they created harpe and from that they got reacquainted with kambo and with ayahuasca and they got yeah directed through the plants to reconnect with all these other plants and i think that's what like what i've like, yeah, the line that's coming through is what these plants are here to do is bring us back to reconnect to nature, to be more in that reciprocity um, and aligned with, like, the rhythms of life again and to use those plants as they're intended for because, yeah, tobacco, um, I guess, is called grandfather because it's got, like, a really not only that clarity that you spoke of, but it's going to bring you into line and tell you very directly and sharply if there's anything that you need to like, you know, get in line. Is that I'm a little the truth nervous or is though, that the truth? If I go My into goodness. the jungle next year, it'll be a month <laughs> of drinking tobacco. Um, and you need to be, you really need to have a guide because tobacco is a it can, it's mm. out of all the plants, you know, this one can kill you. Not of all the plants, there are other plants. And if people have meds or mixed things or heart conditions that aren't screened before you go and do your work with plants, 
um, then that can have really serious issues. But tobacco is known for, if you're not guided properly, it can cause death. So yeah, that's why I'm going to go to the jungle, find an expert. And it's a purgative too. So I'm going to go and be very cleansed. <laughs> You will absolutely be cleansed. I um, the way that I came to tobacco, and I'd be curious how, to hear how you came to tobacco too. But the way that I did is I went to a shaking meditation. Um, that's not connected to Osho at all. Usually, when I say shaking meditation, people are like, oh yeah, Osho. That's no, but it's like a different. I don't know a different group, I guess, and a different practice, but the. The essential premise is that you shake and you move your body and you burn away that's that which isn't serving you anymore and it can be a really powerful kundalini activation. And the first time I went to this shaking place, I was seeing a man in Melbourne and he took me. It's like a, I don't know, like maybe it was a date, maybe we were just going, but we went to this shaking thing. He was introducing me to a bunch of his friends and um, and I saw them, they were like using you know, those little syringes that you can buy to, to take liquid medicine. So they're not like metal syringes that you pierce the skin with, um, but just like a plastic one that you squirt down the back of your throat to take medicine. We used to use them as kids when um, we didn't like the taste of medicines. Mum would squirt it and then it was just gone and over. Anyway, these people at this shaking thing were using um, those little syringes to squirt the tincture down the back of their throat um, and also up their noses. And I was so freaked out by it. And I'll give the context that I was, I grew up really anti-drug, anti-alcohol. I drank when I, I had drank a little bit when I finished school and um, partied when I played um, state league basketball and, and that sort of thing. And also at college, at university, but as soon as I really focused on prioritizing my spiritual journey, alcohol just removed itself from my life without even trying. Like I just had no interest in it anymore. Um, and now very occasionally I'll have like a little dram of scotch or whiskey and it's really feels very ancestral and connecting to me. And when I say occasionally, maybe once a year, if that, um, but where was I going with that? Oh yeah, we were at the shaking thing. And I was like, what are they doing? Like, is everyone just getting high on drugs? Like, I'm so not here for this. <laughs> what is going on? I thought we were going to a shaking meditation. Um, and he hadn't pre-framed about the tobacco medicine, but it was tobacco. And so it was completely optional. You didn't have to use it. Um, and I don't think they usually, you know, would bring a new person in like that. <laughs> it's just kind of what happened with me and yeah I he said oh you don't have to syringe it you can just take a bit of the plant and and just rest it in your mouth and and see connect with it meditate with it see what happens and I remember I I put a little bit of it like just in my gum I connected with it first and then I put a bit in my gum and then I stood with it and I shook my body and I had these incredible visions and it was so connecting, but I was so also completely in the space. Like it was a really grounded visionary experience for me. And I grew up and, and have always been clairvoyant. So I was very used to um, 
having experiences that I found frightening or um, that I didn't understand or I didn't feel felt very grounding at all. Um, but I felt so grounded and it was, it was, yeah, it was really beautiful. And then not long after that, I went to a retreat for the shaking where I really deeply journeyed with the medicine. And then I, yeah, for 18 months, if not longer, I mean, I can say 18 months with certainty and, and know that I'm telling you the truth, but I really, I do think it would have been longer. I, yeah, I journeyed with it every single day in ritual space, two to three times a day. And, and I had nothing else in that time. So I wasn't drinking cacao or anything else. Obviously I was eating, um, but I wasn't working with any other medicine. Um, and yeah, it was incredible. I've heard Joe Rogan say um, on his podcast, you know, people should, before they lead a country or have a political position of power, do 10 ayahuasca journeys or 10 mushroom journeys. I think he talks about mushrooms. Um, but I really resonate with that. There's something so connecting about it and something that, yeah, that brings you home to nature and brings you back to nature as our teacher and and to ourselves as part of nature. And, And when we can connect to ourselves as part of nature, we can recognize that everything we need is within. And it circles me right back to your pilgrimage where you're on your knees in that chapel. I recently heard... Um, a definition of prayer that, you know, is there's two different types of prayer. There's the prayer when you pray to something outside of yourself and there's the prayer where you invite what is within you to come out. And I think the plant medicine has invited me to connect with what's within me to come out, which is my nature. And, yeah, that would be the reason that I would recommend an aligned, you know, safe, where you're called to journey with plant medicine because we're here to live our true nature and purpose. We're not here to work inside stuffy offices where we never see skylight and we're working on something that we're not passionate about or we're working, you know, a physical trade that we're not passionate about. And if you're passionate about your work, that's fucking awesome. Keep doing it. But if not, plant medicine can be a really beautiful gateway to exploring what your passion could be and what, what your true nature and purpose could be in this life. It's not the only way, um, but it is a way. It is an option. And, yeah, obviously I'll put a disclaimer. I don't want to say people to be like, oh, I did plant medicine because Ellie said on this podcast and then this happened. (laughs) You are your own person. Please, please act self-responsibly. And what a potent, but yeah, that's, that's a my potent two that experience of how you came to meet. But yeah, how did that? Um... And I think it's so funny though that the more comfort and familiarity you build with mm. plants, um, people can often forget that when they see that scene of usage, that it's the, it could be a newbie's first time ever meeting that plant, and it looks really weird and strange. And I remember having a similar thought when I it was through an ayahuasca ceremony people were just doing harpe and it's like what is this why are people willingly putting some snuff up their nose and now like coughing and spluttering and spitting like this is really strange but I think I was really fortunate to have someone who was able to describe all the like physiological changes that I'd feel if having it what the benefits are for the spirits and um, to hold everything with intention 
And I think that's what I also gained from plant medicines. I fully agree with everything that you just said um, of bringing it back to our true nature and how they can be a huge support if we're, you know, I think don't go chase chase these plant medicines. Like they'll, they're around and they will come to you and they will make themselves known when they want to work with you or you'll just be super curious and fascinated by them. But they... Yeah, they really are here as a big support. And I know that from my journey with plant medicines, it allowed me to sharpen my awareness of and awaken like the wild woman in me to come and to be spluttering on the ground. And like even the shaking experience you had, like animals, I'm really curious with trauma and how we're we're supposed to somatically process trauma um, because we are still mammals, we're still animals. And in Peter Levine's book, Waking the Tiger, he, he really talks about this well and mentions how, um, you know, if a polar bear or maybe any animal, but a, he used the example of a polar bear getting shot with a tranquilizer. And once it came out of that effect, its whole body shakes, you know, and that shaking is so important because we're water and our cells remember, our body remembers, it holds and it stores. So we've got to move. We've got to let it out through singing, through movement and I think that's why I've been really drawn to um, I want to celebrate everyday dancing and singing and doing that in community as well is where our healing will come from to come back to these things that are so natural to our being that we've forgotten in our busy world because there's all these screens around us and we've built like you know like when we go into the outdoors into the wilderness we have tents and barriers between us and nature and sometimes you want that you want to be you want to have a sleeping bag on to be warm but I think there's a a, this time that we're feeling now of wanting to find ourselves and come into connection with ourselves nature's here to support us to enable that I think about um, this just also makes me think of a little tangent of um, you'll be able to know this astrology a little bit more than me but um, this comes from a thought of uh, there's a Dr. Rangi Matamua who he's founded a thing called Living by Your Stars. He's also um, he led the way with a few others to, to acknowledging Matariki, which is a star constellation. It's a public holiday in New Zealand, and he says, you know, like so often we're looking down to the rivers for the health of the earth and what we need to do, but really we need to be looking up at the stars. And I find it really interesting to think about stars and astrology when we look back in the ages, like Old Testament time, it was was wild. It was like, I think it was the ram was the astrological time and there was all this fighting and everyone was believing in different things and it was really intense. And then it moved into the age of, um, is it Pisces or Aries that we've just come out of? One we've moved into, do you know? now okay I think it was the age of Pisces I think we're we were in, in the age of Aquarius before, and that now. was like talking of like the Jesus time and there's only one truth there's and you know and that's where all these religions formed and now it's like shifting away from there having to be one truth to there are many truths and what is your truth and how can you bring to life respect and honor the truth that's inside of you and respect and honor the truth that is inside of others and this is the place that we're in at the moment, mm. I feel. 
Yeah, I just Googled it to be sure. Um, and it says, yes, this so this refers to an astrological age defined by the relationship of planet Earth and its sun to the cosmos. For the last 2,000 or so years, we have been in the age of Pisces. We are now transitioning or transitioned depending on which astrologer you ask because there's no consensus um, for the exact date. But, yes, we're now transitioning or in the age of Aquarius. And I'm definitely not an expert, hence Googling it, to make sure that we're giving accurate information. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I love the way that you just explained that. It's beautiful. And it's incredible, like, for for the shaking um, and the lineage of the tobacco that I've used, which I, I still have some of. Um, I did a beautiful ceremony with a brother a few weeks ago who he was really called to the medicine. And I was like, oh, I'm, I can hold you in that. Like I'm so familiar with and connected with that medicine and um, absolutely have blessing to be in ceremony with you in that. And the thing in um, – the lineage that I'm connected with, with the tobacco is that you organically share when it's organic to share and the exchange is pure energetic. There's no financial exchange or anything like that. Like that's the, that's the container. Um, and yeah, so I was like, yeah, come around. We'll, we'll hang out. We'll, we'll do some journeying together. And it was really beautiful, but yeah, I remember going to the ashrams. There's an ashram in Indonesia um, for this lineage and they have a boundary that the first time you go to the ashram you have to go for five full days and outside of that you can go whenever you want for as long or for as little as you like so there's three approximately three hour rituals per day so once you've been once you've been initiated you can just pop in for a ritual if you want to just like a drop in but the first time you go, you have to go for that full five days. And I actually went with Paige. I invited Paige to come with me. Um, and she came and one of our other friends. It was maybe 2018, 2019, around that time. And I'd been journeying with the medicine for a while already. And I am pretty sure Paige maybe had her first ceremony like with me a couple days before we went rather than at the ashram maybe she had her first ceremony at the ashram I can't remember I'll let her tell that story another time but um yeah it was incredible to see that people were there and shaking and with intention like you brought up earlier and they were having the intention of coming back to wholeness and they were experiencing these incredible healings like there were people there who were healing from things that the western world tells us we can't heal from for example I met somebody who came to the ashram with herpes left without it and there were all these different stories of yeah all these different experiences people had and obviously I had a lot of experiences there too that (laughs) I um, maybe we need to have a conversation just about tobacco (laughs) but um yeah it's just it's so yeah yeah and maybe we'll invite Paige to join us um yeah it was such a it's just such a beautiful transmission of, wow, we're capable of so much more than we think. We're so much more connected than we realize. Healing is so much more available to us than we are led to believe. And again, these plants can be a gateway to it. And what I've also learned is that 
I experience these different plants and sometimes just in meditation, sometimes by ingesting them, sometimes by smelling the flowers, you know, whatever it may be. But just like when you meet a lover and you have an experience with them and a pathway is opened in your body, it's your body doing that. And if you're working with a plant and you're having an experience or you're having an opening, it's still your body doing that. And I'm a real firm, I don't know if believer is even the right word, but in my experience, once I've had an experience with my body, I can go back there. I can use that as a reference point and my cells remember there's something in my DNA that's been activated. And yeah, I think it's, it's, it's just so much bigger and so much more intertwined so. than and I just than we love can fathom. People who really connect in yeah. with plant medicines and thinking about those who've worked with it for so long and facilitate and guide the journey, they know that it's it's really for our spiritual health. And this is an area that we've we haven't talked about in a long time, you know, like in especially with coming into a more secular society and moving away from religion, people we're forgetting that our spiritual health is is really important and it's all connected. You know, there's a mind-body connection and our spirit also is Im- embedded and imbued in that and it all comes out. I think that's why I really like the whole order and holistic model um, held by Māori because there's so many avenues that we can get to for our health. We can do it physically, knowing that that still has an impact, like releases feel-good endorphins and is probably feeling really good for our spirit as well, especially if you're running outside and in nature. And I also really like what you said of, um, you mentioned it here and you also mentioned it in the Extra Century School last night of you don't have to, once you've had these medicines and really connected and built that relationship, you can just hold them. You don't need to ingest them all the time. Or you could just bring it to your mind. Like the energy is still there. The energetics are still inside of you. And you can, that, if you, yeah, like I've, I've realized I've become more sensitive to those energies when I ingest them. And I need lots less, a lot, a lot less. Um, because I'm so, yeah, I'm just sensitive to it already. And it's already a relationship that I've built. And it also makes me think of um, someone once described psychedelics to me as imagine that you are in a hotel room and you've lived your whole life in this hotel room and that's all you know. And one day a yellow taxi arrives and it takes you to the beach and you're like, oh my God, this is the beach. Like, look at the sand. Oh my gosh, the sunshine. And then your trip comes to an end and you get taken back to the hotel, but you know that the beach exists. Like it's a place where you can access it again. You could grab a bike, you could walk there. Meaning that once, like that's what it did for me. It allowed me to realize a space that I could connect to and really open that door for me to come back again through meditation. I think meditation is a really powerful, or like even just connecting in spirit and through prayer or whatever way that you find that flow within you to get into that that state of being that feels like there's a non-dual state within you. Maybe it's even looking at a sunset and you melt into the landscape or that oneness that you feel when you're just so feeling in love or the feeling of like being surrounded by love. And yeah, if we can access, once we've allowed the access to those parts in our body and our mind and our spirit it becomes a lot easier you know like we think about neuroplasticity once you've carved those roots in your brain um, it's like a pathway that just 
I've sort of stopped because I'm like I don't want to talk about neuroplasticity but the the idea that you can you can carve pathways and the more you walk down those pathways that the stronger that relationship gets and the easier it is to return to that place Hmm. I believe it 100 percent um and it's interesting because I came from this science, 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 science kind of path. And now I'm like spirit, 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 but in a really grounded way. And, and it's interesting you mentioned extrasensory because I was thinking about it as well. It was something that was so on my heart and in my consciousness all the time as we were coming into opening the doors for extrasensory school again. And as you know, like we open the doors at the Genius Portal when we get a calling to. We don't just have things there's some things that we have open all the time, like our community spaces, but um, there are other things that we open and then maybe we don't open it for a while. Last time we opened extrasensory school was in 2021. So it's been it's been closed for a while. And yeah, it was so showing me every time I connected with it, every time I did journaling about it, every time I was writing an email or preparing to do a Facebook Live or something like that, an Instagram post, anything where I'm connecting with the energy of it. I just kept coming back to spirituality is such a high value for me and something that I really want to support people connecting with in their own authentic way. And extrasensory school is a platform for people to connect to their gifts, to connect to their clear abilities, to their psychic abilities, to their magic. And what I love about it, and we're only on we just had our call for week three yesterday, but what I love about it is that we go on this, it feels like to me a, a pilgrimage of, of the psyche, a pilgrimage of our spiritual gifts, of our, of our body, of these different, different pathways, and you find the ones that work for you and you stick to them. And I find that there's an overflow effect when you find the one that works for you naturally and you invest time there, your other gifts will open because I'm a firm believer and I did a whole podcast episode on it. So I won't, I won't speak into it. If it interests you as a listener, go listen to the extrasensory episode, but I'm a firm believer that, and I've seen time and time again, that all these gifts are natural to us. Telepathy is natural to us. Clairvoyance is natural to us. We are of nature. Like, of course, these things are part of our human experience. Um, we just, as a collective have really valued and gone down this direction of science, but we could value and go down the direction of spirit. And as individuals, we have that choice. We can do either. We can do both. We can choose something else as a path. Um, and as we find these little access points that we that feel natural to us now or as we move past our fear to connect to feeling more natural now, more and more opens. We have a few members re-journeying or students re-journeying in extrasensory school so they did it in their last 13 month journey and now they're doing in this 13 month journey and it's beautiful to hear their shares because without breaching confidentiality so I won't give names or details but there are there are gifts that are naturally opening for them now that back then felt hard or unaccessible um, and it's just because when you find that opening when you find that gateway for yourself it's like an overflow effect. You're opening the dam and the water can begin to run in these different ways. Energy is very similar. 
So, yeah, I'm really excited to be back in the extrasensory space and I'm excited to have these conversations, to normalise these conversations about spirit and spirit being being a value for people. And I just find that it overrides so many separating conversations. Like there's so many separating conversations around gender, around sexuality, around money, around purpose, around career. But when we come to talk about spirit, it's about connection. It's about love. Mm. And love defies the odds of any separation. So it's wonderful to connect with. It's wonderful to be in that dance with I people. I love the way you talk. And to see how unique I all love of those the dances way you speak. are. And I think love, yeah. oh, that's it, right? Like it's the most powerful oh. thing. And I think I even remember reading something in Corinthians, the Bible verse of like God is kind, God is caring. Um, oh, love is kind, love is caring. Sorry, I jumped the gun because I was also told you can replace the word love for God. And it's true. Like what that what that really points to is that every single religion you boil it down and mm. it's love. Love is what's there. And with with all our, our beliefs, our traumas, our things that have gone on in our world and the impacts of society that have separated us from our self-love and our love of others, that when you find what works for you to bring in that sense of love again and like fill up your cup from within and I also love that definition of prayer you mentioned earlier like there is that's where the power is and I'm so grateful for my time in Catholicism because I'm now I it it allowed me to see there's some growth that I think we're going through with um, people in the conscious community and with spirituality like there's some piousness and there's a lot of like doing things religiously like oh this is how this tribe does it so we do it this way but not really understanding that not everyone lives in a jungle and free of worries like you've got to you've got to meet people where they're at their context and give them what they need like a lot of western societies do need some brainwashing but some washing with love like a lot and a lot of love for us to feel that sense of wholeness again and whatever works for you I think when I first got into this journey I was looking at others like I had through my eyes I feel like I've got this real childlike wonder of like I'm fully taking in everything like I have this heightened sense of awareness and as I began my journey um, into finding myself but really it's remembering because as you know isn't it funny that the things that come naturally to us or are our natural pathways our clues are in our childhood like what sparked joy in you where did you like I always I was always dancing in my room and now dance and song is something that really connect me with my spirit but we don't have to you know like whatever it is whether it's light language whether it's connecting to the spirit of trees or uh, I don't know I'm trying to think or like cleansing rituals like if someone's telling you that this is the way the truth the light be careful right because everything we're all individuals. We're we're very unique. So there's going to be something that works for everyone, and it's going to be different. It's not this one truth anymore. It's just what's true for you, what's true for your heart. And the thing that I've always loved about you and what you offer is you're very hearty. Like you know, some people live very in the lower three chakras, very in this world, and that's great. Like what an experience! And I'm so happy that 
there are beings that get to that are having that experience because that's uplifting our whole consciousness to you know experience every role and every character and every part that we could play on this earth and then there's others who are very much in the spirit realms like in the living constantly in the upper three chakras you know and that's you know they're in the heavens they're in the stars how fun but I guess one thing that's always stuck with me from Catholicism is like be that heaven and earth like you want to be grounded and in that that middle space coming from I love the chakras for this because that middle um, chakra is the heart and finding really hearty people who allow themselves to be a full being and a full human and I think that we haven't always been shown that practical spirituality in our life we haven't always been shown how to do that naturally and that's why I love nature because it's such an accessible thing for all of us to to get in touch with that whether you have animals or an indoor plant or you have access to a beach or the forest or wherever your place is, that allows you to feel that that oneness, that wholeness, that sense of peace and ease and get back into this slow rhythm, like back into that heartbeat. Because we're just little, it's like we're little fleas on Mama Earth's back. Like We're really here to be in flow in all the ways in ourselves and flow with others and in flow with the earth and its energies. Mm. Beautiful. <laughs> I love listening to you talk too. <laughs> oh, thank you. I feel like I could just talk to you all day. As you're talking, there's so many ideas flooding in and so many yeah, so many things that I want to share and that I want to ask and it just feels so organic and I want to honor your time and honor our time and um, we're going to come to a close, but I would really love to have you back. I'd really love to have another conversation with you and yeah, and continue, continue where we're leaving off today because there's just so much more depth available yeah, yes, and it feels so I didn't even get a talk about the hawk spirit so, so you know which I pulled yeah, a card before. Um, before we begun and I showed it to Ellie and there was an eagle but unfortunately in my cards they don't have a hawk so uh, yeah there's so much more I'd love to share and talk about with you yeah yeah let's do it let's definitely do that um oh I wish I could give you a hug too but um before we before we jump off I mean I'm even I'm just spinning out that you said you know that we're remembering and made me think of our our container the remembering <laughs> I was like yeah it's so true and and what you share about you know to be alert with with teachers or with guides that are in your life there's a real difference between someone saying this is the way and here is a way and one is one is more empowering than the other. Um, and when we and know better, yeah, we do we're all, better. We're all doing our best. Um, and I think – And we all have far to go. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and like even reflecting still, on – Still buzzing. I'm like, we can go for another two hours. <laughs> we're both so excited <laughs> to talk. I just love what you said about, like, the way yeah. and – then someone like presenting a way to you and then you have to make it your way, like make it fit to you and make it personalized to you. Mm, 
Yeah. And even reflecting on, I mean, you, it, you briefly mentioned it earlier in our relationship and, and how we have in our relationship handled conflict with integrity and, um, you know, how you were like, why are you replying to my emails? And to be honest, I remember them being emails. I don't remember anything that you said in them. I just remember reading them and going, <laughs> we should definitely just have a call. Like, this is not helping like an email we need to have a chat we need to have a conversation like we need to connect um and I'm not a fast emailer anyone that's ever emailed me will know that um I now have a auto reply that says expect to hear from me within a few days that's normal um but yeah some, sometimes I'm in my inbox and somebody emails me while I'm there and I go wow you're hearing from me on the same day it's a miracle <laughs> but um it's because I like to get back to them myself and I get a lot of emails so I just I make intentional time to go in there and connect and and respond um and I just don't find time to do that every single day um but yeah I love that I think that even symbolizes what we're talking about like we got on a call and we connected and we found that resounding nature in each other's hearts and then our our relationship and our journey together has been really easy since then you know it has been really connected I would say obviously um there's always things that come up and yeah (laughs) did you want to say something (laughs) that's really all I was going to say about that so I yeah I would love to pass the mic to you to share with our audience today and those of you who are here thank you so much for listening for this long thank you for coming down this rabbit hole with us Um, we love you we appreciate you and we hope to see you somewhere in the genius bottle or in the world um, beyond this podcast and yeah em could you share where somebody can come connect with you where's the best place Mm. to yeah, sure thing. To, um, yeah, come and I get did actually in your want to add just one last thing that you made me think of, of that connection. I I think I spent a long time in my journey doing go it alone. It. And it took a lot. People say that when you go alone, you go faster, particularly you go further. But I think mm-hmm. I put myself through a lot of hardship and turning of like feeling I was all alone. And community is, is the biggest thing for spiritual health, I think, coming together, coming in connection, because we're all just mirrors for each other. We learn about ourselves so much more deeply and are able to see our own reflection when we're surrounded by others, especially wonderful people like yourself, Ellie. I love you so much. and Thank you for having me on this podcast today to share. This was not, I even practiced a little bit of what I wanted to say today and I didn't even mention it. Um, but here, here was the magic. So thank you so much for having me. And if you'd like to hear more, I'm really at the beginning of um, stepping into talking about practical spirituality. And you can keep up with me, keep to see how I keep my finger on the pulse I'm as I find out and lead very heart-led. Um, you can find me on Instagram at state underscore of underscore B double E I N G. Um, my business logo is a B, and my podcast that I'm coming out with soon is called Simply B. Um, and that's probably the best place for you to for you to find me and to connect. And I really look forward to connecting again, Ellie. Thank you so much.
Thank you so much for coming. I love you so much and I really hope that people reach out to you. We'll make it easy. We will pop a link in the show notes to your Instagram. And once your podcast comes out, send us a link and we'll add it to the show notes as well because we can edit them. Amazing. um, If our episode goes out before yours is launched. Um, So that's really exciting. And I'm looking forward to being on that as well. I love you too. Thank you. I love you. And um, I'll see you soon. It's the genius portal. Podcast is here.